Good morning, River Church. Thank you. I had my stand messed up this morning, sorry. So we're going to start out in uh, Romans chapter 12. If you've, been, if you've been paying close attention, you'll know that's actually where we've kind of been hanging out is Romans 12 a lot. So we're going to be in Romans 12, 12. It's easy to find, right? So Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Um, so this, this last few weeks, we've been going through a series entitled Life in Community. And so What's kind of neat as as a young church, as kind of a as a new church plant, um, we have been kind of trying to set the scene as far as who, what is our DNA going to be? What are we going to um, look like? What are we trying to accomplish? Like, for example, our our mission statement is that we want to be a church that leads people into a soul healing and life transforming relationship with Jesus. So if that's our mission, if that's what we want to do, how do we go about accomplishing that? Like, how do we how do we do that? If we want to see souls healed, if we want to see people know Jesus, have a relationship with Jesus, and their lives transformed by Jesus, what does that look like for us as a church? So how does our church community do that, right? And so the last few weeks, we've been kind of walking through one way that, we're gonna, that we want to do that. We believe that life change happens in small groups. So we believe that you come in here and God moves in incredible ways and, and people get saved. And, and Sunday morning services are a place that we come and we worship God and we praise God together. And then hopefully you get some really good um, teaching on the scriptures that prepare you to live the Christian life. But what our hope is for you, what we want for you is to have deep Christian relationships and to have a deep Christian family that you walk through life with. So that this isn't, a, isn't just a place that, that you come on Sunday mornings but this is a place where you come and you experience life and you have people that you walk through life with. Does that make sense? And so that, the last few weeks, we've been trying to frame what does that look like for us? What kind of um, expectations do we have for if we're going to be a, a community? And as we launch community groups next week, which is going to be so much fun, Natalie's going to share a little bit about that next week. We're going to have a party next week as we launch uh, community groups. And so, um, but as we launch those next week and, and we begin to intentionally seek after deep relationships, so more than a Sunday morning service, but intentionally seeking deep relationships within our church family, um, how do we how do we frame that? How do we do that? What do we want those um, communities to look like? And so um, week one of this series, just to give you the refresher, week one of this series, we talked about why do we need community? Like, why is it how, like, we talked about how God has placed in each one of us this need. It's intrinsically in us, this need to live in a deep relationship with other people and with God, the creator. He has put that in you. So, right. So we talked about how when you don't have deep relationships, when there's people that, that you're not in deep relationship with, you just know like something's off, something's, something's wrong. It just feels weird. And the reason why you feel weird about that is because that's not how you're wired. God wired you and I to live in deep relationships with people and to be in deep relationship with him. And then the second week of the series, we talked about, um, the, the title of it was No Masks Allowed, right? So we talked about how as Christians, um, if to love, to, our, one of our deepest desires is to know and be known by others. But you can't truly, deeply be known in Christian community if you got the mask on. If you're wearing a mask and you don't allow people to truly know you, you can never truly be loved. Why? Because as much as people might think they love you and as much as they might, uh, they might try to love you and invest in your life, you never can truly feel loved because you feel like you've, as long as you're wearing the mask and as long as they, you feel like they don't really know you, then you don't feel like they can ever love you, right? Because if they really knew you, they wouldn't really like you. And if they, right? And so we talked about how as Christians, we want to take off the mask with, with those four or five people that we walk through life with, that we live um, d- 
deeply with, we have deep relationships, let them just see who we are so that they can love us, so that we can truly be loved and truly be known. And then last week we talked about a goal, one of our goals of our community is we want to be a place that hates sin, right? We said to hate can be a good thing, right? We, we joked, I told you the story about my dad and how I told him I hated him that one time secretly and he didn't even know about it and I cried and it was really sad, right? Um, he doesn't, anyway, never mind. Um, and uh, and it, we've always been taught hate is bad, hate is bad, hate is bad, but there is one kind of hate that's really good. And that kind of hate is a deep hatred in our community, in our churches, and in us as people for sin and towards sin. So sin, and what I mean by that is, is evil outside of our world. So evil, you know, we hate human trafficking. We hate selfishness. We hate, like, we hate um, seeing injustice around us, our community. We hate that. We hate that. We hate that. And as much as we hate that uh, outside of us, and we want to go to war with that, we want to intentionally seek to destroy what the kingdoms that Satan is trying to build up in our community, in our world, we also want to hate sin in our church and in our own lives. And so we talked about the deep need for you to have those people in your lives that, that know you, that can hold you accountable, that that's what community is in a lot of ways is accountability. So we're not going to parade people up on the stage and say, tell us about your sin, right? We're not going to do that. Um, I don't think we might. No, I'm just kidding. We won't. Um, but what you need are those four or five people. Maybe it's two or three. For me, it's not, it's not 10 people. It's, it's two or three people, right, that, that know you deeply. You take off the mask. They know exactly who you are, and they can say, Mike, I'm calling you on the carpet on this, bro. Like, here's, here's where I can see you're struggling. Here's where I see you're about to walk in some, some issues, and they, they're the people in your lives that can say, this isn't right. I'm calling you out. Right? And, and, and they can do that not because they're judging you or because they're looking down on you, but they can do that because you know they love you and you know that they have your best interest at heart. And what that is is to help you to stay true to Jesus, to continue in your relationship with Jesus, to grow in your relationship with Jesus, that they care, they love you enough to speak hard truth to you. That's, that's love, man. The people that will walk up and, and tell you what you don't want to hear because they know you need to hear it and not because they're gossiping or trying to bring you down, but because they deeply, deeply, deeply love you. And so we said last week that, that the, the reason that we have gospel confrontation is, is love, right? And the goal of it is healing and restoration. And so, so that's, that's our, kind of our third part of, of, of what we're seeking for in our communities is that we'd be a place that hates sin, that hates evil, that, that man, we're going to war with it. We're going to war with it. We're not, we never want to come in this place and be the victim. And like there's time, man, life is going to beat you up and we're going to talk about that today. But we don't want to be, live, we don't want to be, the River Church is not going to be a place that's full of Christian victims. We're going to be a place that walks out and we're, man, Satan might be giving it to us, man, giving us a heart, but we're going to kick some butt ourselves. And that's not on our own power. That's through the Holy Spirit power, through God moving in our lives and changing our lives and empowering us, right? He's leaving us here to go to war. And we're going to war with sin. We're going to war with Satan. So we want to be a place that hates sin. So moving on, we have a really, uh, today's topic is going to be very inspirational for you. <laughs> Romans 12, 12, it says, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, and be persistent in prayer. Rejoice in hope, be patient in afflict- affliction, and be persistent in prayer. So uh, I was kind of looking around, just looking on the internet this week, and I found this. Uh, so has anybody ever been in a car accident in here? You ever been in a car accident? Um, was it your fault? No, of course not. We, don't, we have good drivers at the River Church. Um, 
so I found these, I found these, this is, you know how like, so you get in a car accident and the insurance company takes a statement from you. They call you, get your statement. All right, so these are actual statements that people gave their insurance companies. All right, so they got in a car accident and here's some statements. And uh, so I just thought these were kind of funny. So I want to read them to you. It says, uh, here's one. It says, coming home, I drove into the wrong house and collided with a tree that I don't have. <laughs> some of you got to think about that for a second. You'll get there. The next one, I collided with a stationary truck coming the other way. <laughs> the car was parked and he hit it. <laughs> in my attempt to kill a fly, this would be in my car with my wife, Katie. In my attempt to kill a fly, I drove into a telephone pole. If you ever, not to bust Katie out, but man, if you ever were driving with her and there's a fly in there, I'm talking, ah! Right, like, you're, I'm, I, it's, it's insane. I hope that some of you get to experience it because it's... It'll change your life. All right. The next one. I told the police I was not injured, but upon removing my hair, I found that I had fractured my skull. Oh, man, I don't know. I, sure that the, I was sure that the old man would never make to the other side of the road, so I hit him. <laughs> Another one. I saw a slow-moving, sad-faced old man as he bounced off the hood of my car. <laughs> This one would be, this would be the statement that I gave. The cause of the accident was a little guy in a small car with a big mouth. <laughs> yeah, thank you. The next one was, a pedestrian hit me and went under my car. <laughs> I thought my window was down, but I found out it was up when I put my head through it. <laughs> To avoid hitting the car in front of me, I ran over a pedestrian. The guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I finally hit him. <laughs> and then the last one, my personal favorite. I pulled away from the side of the road, saw my mother-in-law, and headed over the cliff. <laughs> I'm sure that's not true for any of us in here. We would never do that. So what's the point of that, y'all? Bad things happen, right? In, in life, no matter how long you've lived, right? Unless you're like a baby, bad things are going to happen to you. Some of them your fault, although we don't like to admit it. Some of them maybe not your fault. Paul says to us, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, and be persistent in prayer. Suffering and, and pain and um, disease and sickness and death and all these things around us are, are, are unescapable. Like, if you live life, you will experience pain and suffering at some point. Like, you can't have enough money, you can't have enough power, you can't um, work out, you can't do enough P90X or CrossFit, you can't um, have enough doctors, you can't, like, pray enough, you can't, no matter where you are in life, at some point in life, you will experience pain and suffering. There's, there's nothing that you can do to protect you from pain and suffering. Are you, aren't you glad you came to church? At some point, you're going to suffer, and it's going to hurt, right? At some point, life is going to kick you in the face, and you're going to be laying on your back wondering how you're ever going to get up at some point in your life. And, and there's this thing that happens in the church um, sometimes, it'll, hopefully it'll never happen here, but we believe this lie that as Christians, somehow we're protected from that. 
Like somehow, if I, as, because I'm a Christian, I'll be in a bubble and God will protect me from all pain and suffering. I'll never um, face any kind of adversity. Like God's just going just gonna to take care of me. And that, that's just not the truth, right? Like, do you know how we know that's not the truth? <laughs> because we've experienced pain and suffering. There's, 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 there's nothing that you can do. It's, it's a part of life. And, and so sometimes we think, like, if I can just be faithful enough, if I can just pray enough, if I can just have enough faith, if, I, if I'm close enough to God, he's going to protect me from pain, he's going to protect me from suffering. But, but that's just not the truth. Like, as a matter of fact, like, for the Christians, sometimes it's the exact opposite. In Romans 12, 15, Paul says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So what that means, he's talking to Christians. He's talking to, to you and me. And so he's saying when things are good, when, when babies are born, when you're celebrating graduations, when um, you're getting job promotions, when life is good in your church, in your community, with your family, rejoice celebrate when those, like when things are going well, we should be celebrating each other, which is another whole other sermon of how when things are going well for somebody, we get, you know, angry and bitter and jealous. That's just, I won't preach that sermon this week. But, it, but Paul says we should rejoice together. So when things are good, when things are, are going great for you, I should be partying right next to you. But then Paul says, and weep with those who weep. As a church family, when we struggle, when we face tribulation, when we face trial, we are commanded to walk through that together. So that means if you are facing something as your Christian brother, I'm facing that with you by association. Or at least that's the way it should be. So, so how do I know that, we're gonna, that we will face this kind of stuff? Because Paul just literally says it right there. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. What does that tell us? There will be a time that you weep. There'll be a time that you rejoice, but there's also going to be a time that you weep. And so as Christians, we shouldn't um, think that that's never going to happen. It's John 16, In this world, you will have tribulation. Do you know what the word will means? You will. You will face tribulation. He's talking to Christians. In our church, people will succumb to illness. In our church, people will lose jobs. In our church, people will suffer disappointment. In our church, loved ones will leave you. In our church, there will be a time where you are hurt. Hopefully not by anybody in our church, although that's likely to happen as well, unfortunately, because we're human. In our church, you will, if you, and, and not because you're a part of our church, but because you're human, you're going to face something at some point. You will suffer. If, you, if we just look at the Bible, we'll, again, we'll just see that being a Christian doesn't exclude us from that. Like you look at David, you look at over in Kids Creek and Pebbles, they're teaching on Joseph today. You guys know, you know the story of Joseph? You know what happened to that dude? He was sold into slavery by his brothers. Anybody, did that happen to anybody in here? No, that is suffering, man. Like if my brother sold me into slavery, we have problems, right? <laughs> suffering. You look at John the Baptist. Dude had his head chopped off. Why? Because he was following Jesus. Um, let's look at Jesus. Died on a cross. Peter, crucified upside down. Dude, this Christian thing sounds dangerous, right? As we follow Jesus, we're not, just because we follow Jesus, we're not excluded from suffering. We're not excluded from pain. We're not excluded from loss. So then the, the natural question comes, well then what's the point of Jesus, right? 
what good is he? Right? Are you all brave enough to shake your head on that one? <laughs> As I was thinking about this, this this morning, I thought about that. Like, because sometimes we get, as, as Christians, we get in that and we think, well, Jesus, if, if you're not going to exclude me from this, if you're not going to protect me from this, then what good are you? What's the point of you? And I, as I was thinking about that, I, I, I'm thinking that that's really, really, really the wrong question. Because what that reveals about us, honestly, is, is one thing, is a shallow relationship with Jesus, where he's more of a genie in a bottle than a God to us. What happens is we rub the lamp, he pops out and just grants our wishes. That's, that's how we think of him, right? Versus what he really is. What's the point of Jesus? The point of Jesus is that we get to live in relationship with the creator of the universe. The point of Jesus is, is this world was broken and he came here and lived on earth and died for you and I. So now the relationship that was broken and, and distorted is, can now be healed and even though there will be times that we suffer and, and live in loss and pain and, pain and suffering, the, all that's kind of aside to the point that we get Jesus. We get to have, I want to say that again, a relationship with God. We get to know him. And that's the point. And ultimately, that's the point of life. If we talk about if, if God had put in us this, this deep desire for relationships, then the ultimate desire for the ultimate relationship is a relationship with God. And so the beauty of that, so even, is that all of that kind of falls to the wayside, and at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus and knowing him and living a relationship with him. It's not about having an easy life. It's about knowing Jesus. It's about the fact that in spite of life being hard, we know him and he's sufficient for our needs and he walks with us. So as we just think about suffering and pain and, and as a church, like, so why am I talking about this? Because as a church, we're going to go through that. So I want to talk about how we walk through that together as a church family in a community, right? So one thing I want to kind of decipher what suffering is, what is, I want to kind of break down some lies of that. So one thing is, one lie I was trying to break down is that because we're Christians, that does not mean that we're excluded from suffering. So what suffering um, is, is a part of life. Pain and suffering, trials and tribulations, it's just a part of life. Why is it a part of life? It's a part of life because we live in a broken world. Because we had Adam and Eve, they're living in the Garden of Eden. They sinned, sin entered this world. And one thing that we will constantly, the reason why we hate sin is because sin breaks down, sin destroys, sin ruins families. Sin is, everything about sin is from Satan, it's from the enemy who wants to break you down and destroy you. And in the end, sin is at war with God. And so the reason why there is pain and suffering and loss and heartache in this world is not because of God, but it's because we live in a broken world because sin entered into the world. And what God told us in Genesis, when sin enters in the world, the result of sin is death and suffering and pain and loss. Well, that's depressing, huh? Aren't you glad you're alive? What a great day to be alive, right? But in that, we have a God who entered into the world, who died for you and I, and he is working, as the Bible says, all things out for good, and what he is doing is, in the end, restoring. 
and healing and putting back together. So we live, the reason why we have pain and suffering is because we live in a sin-cursed world that's broken. But Jesus died on the cross, breaking the hold of sin in our world. And as we talked about on Easter, now because of that, hope is alive. And we'll, we'll get to more of that. So what sin is, is one, it's a part of life. If you're taking notes, it's a part of life. And two, it's a part of our life because of sin and the fact that we live in a broken world. Now I want to talk about what pain and suffering is not. What it is not is God punishing you. Oftentimes we get in that and we think, well, this is happening to me because of other things I've done in my life or whatever. Sin is, or pain and suffering is not God punishing you. That's, that's, a whole, that's called karma. That's, that's a whole different religion, y'all. Right? God's not up in the, he's not up taking, he doesn't have the angels up there going, all right, that's one good one for Mike. That's two bad ones for Mike. All right, that's two today. Get the lightning bolts. That's not how God operates. Pain and suffering is not God punishing you. Secondly, pain and suffering is not a result of you not having enough faith. That's, that's a broken theology that gets taught. That is not, God, you don't have um, sickness or disease or lose loved ones or lose jobs or spouses leave you because you just didn't have enough faith. That's a, that's a lie. That's not, that's not how it works. God doesn't operate that way. And then third, it's not a result of you just getting what you deserve. Sometimes we think that, like, I, this is just what I deserve. I live this life, and this is just the result of that. Now, again, sometimes there are things that we bring on ourselves, but don't think that God is punishing you because you're just getting what you deserve. That's not how our God works. Our God is not vengeful and spiteful. That's not who God is. Like, when you, when you face pain and suffering, when you face trials, what I want to encourage you to do is to remember the nature, the heart of our God. The Bible says that he is literally love. What is love? It's not vengeful. It's not spiteful. It does not envy or hate. It does not keep record of wrong. God is not out to punish you. This is who our God is. When you you suffer, when you go through pain, when you lose loved ones, when you face disease, when you face trials, remember this. This is who our God is. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, it says, Praise be to God, our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. Does that sound like a God who's sitting up there with lightning bolts ready to strike you down because you messed up? Praise be to, to our God and Father, the Father of compassion and all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise that when you face trials, when you face tribulations, when you walk through the valley of shadow of death, when you feel alone, he's saying, I am right there with you every step of the way. Psalm 68, 19, the Lord deserves praise day after day. So this is consistently day after day after day. He carries our burden and he is the God who delivers us. Delivers who? Us, you and me. That doesn't sound like a God who's vengeful and spiteful and angry. The karma, that doesn't sound like a karma God to me. Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. When you mourn, he's saying God will come and he will comfort you and walk beside you. Matthew eleven twenty eight. come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. 
Man, that sounds like a good God to me. And then this one, oh man, I, this one, this one got to me this week as I was praying and thinking about this. Psalm 147, 3. So our God is not a spiteful God. He's not the vengeful. He's not the God that's lighting up with a stri- lightning bolts ready to strike you down because you messed up, bringing pain and suffering in your life. As a matter of fact, he's the exact opposite of that. Check this out. Psalm 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted and he bandages their wounds. See, the picture that the, that the scriptures paint about the heart of our God is that not only is he not the God who's up there with lightning bolts ready to strike you down, he's the father who, when he sees his child hurt, runs to them, scoops them up in his arms, comforts them, heals them, and then literally it says he bandages your wounds. What that means is he's active in your life. Even when you're going through pain, even when you're going through suffering, he's the God who scoops you up and is active in your life. Man. When you're in pain and suffering, remember his nature. Remember his character. He's not the God who's vengeful and spiteful and says, you deserve this. He's the God who runs to his child and bandages his wounds. Jesus doesn't promise that we'll never suffer. He doesn't promise that you'll never face hard things. But he promises that he will walk with you every step of the way and he promises that he will be sufficient in all of your needs. Amen. We have a good God, y'all. We have a good God. So as a church, that, that's, that's God, right? That's how God's interacting. He's active. He's a comforter. He's there. He walks with you. He doesn't promise that you'll never face anything, but he promises that he will be with you every step of the way. And that his goal is to comfort you, to love you, to bring you through this. So as a church, what do we do? What do how do we walk in that? What, do, what is that, right? Like if, if it says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, then what is our role as a church? How do we come in that together? Well, one thing I'll say this is that as it says rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, that means that, that this is something that we are supposed to walk in together. We do this together. Does that make sense? So it's not something that you're to do alone. And I'm really being a hypocrite here or preaching, you know, because the, I'm that guy. Like when I go through tough things or whenever I'm suffering or whenever, like I don't, like I'm not the guy that runs two people. I'm the guy that locks myself up in my office and doesn't even like talk to my wife. I hide. Why? Because I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to suffer and pity myself and, you know, feel sorry. For, right. But that's not the way God designed it. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep, not separately in another room, weep with those who weep. So, so what I want to encourage you to do is that we aren't, and I got to work on this too, right? We, I'm not perfect either. We got we to gotta practice instead of when we suffer and we go through hard things and trials and tribulations, not to run away from our community, but run to our community. And let our church, let our community, the people that you're building deep relationships with, be your place of comfort. Be a place where you can go and get healing instead of secluding yourself where you're all alone. That's not the way God designed it. He designed the church not just to be a place of celebration where everything's great, but a place that you can go to when it hits the fan and life gets hard. And so that's one reason we're building up these community groups because we, we know that that's hard to do in here but we want you to have those four, five, six people that you're living life with every week that you can run to for this. That's one of our goals of it. 
And I don't, I, you know, I, I can't tell you why I run, why I do that. I don't know why you, you might run away. I, I don't know why we do that. I just know that I do. And so we want to know we need to be aware of the problem and then try to fix that, adjust that. So that's one. Don't do it alone. How, again, as a church, can we encourage each other in trials and tribulations? The second thing I would say this, as, as Paul spoke all the way at the beginning with the verse I first read, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, and be persistent in prayer. What was the first thing? We rejoice in hope. What does that mean? The Christian, because we're Christians, we have this beautiful thing called hope. That's why our, 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 our Easter Sunday morning was called a Hope Alive, because in Jesus' resurrection from the cross, Jesus' resurrection from death, we now have hope. So what does that mean? Nothing in this world can touch us, man. If, if I walk outside and get hit by a truck, don't weep for me, man. Rejoice. Because I have hope. Because I, I'm, it's not over for me, man. We are not like those who have no hope. We have hope in Jesus Christ. And so when we go through suffering, when we face trials and tribulations, and when it looks bleak and it looks bad, we always still have hope. We're like Rocky, man. We just keep coming back. (laughs) Yeah, y'all didn't know I was going to throw that one in there, did you? As Christian, we always have hope. So if you lose loved ones, you still have hope hope. If you lose jobs, if we lose houses, if we lose relationships, we always have hope. Not just hope in death, but hope in in restoration. Like broken relationships, God literally, we were all destined for hell and Jesus came and died on the cross and restored, defeated sin and kicked its butt and now we can are restored to God. Don't think he can't heal your relationships. So we always have hope. And so when we face trials and tribulations and suffering, we, our job as the church is remind those people that are in it that they have hope. Because I don't know if you're like me or not, but when I go through junk, what happens is I can only see about this far from my face. And we need people from the outside, our community, to come in and pick us up and say, look at the big picture, baby. We have hope. Because sometimes I can't see it on my own. And I need you to remind me. And you need me to remind you. And so one of our jobs, one of our roles in Christian community is to remind each other that we have hope. Secondly, the Bible says to be patient in tribulation. What does that look like for us? As much as we would like for it to be, suffering and tribulation isn't something that just happens real fast and is over. Sometimes it's days, weeks, months, years. And so what is that? The Bible teaches to be patient in suffering because it, it, in James, it talks about all these things that God draws out and brings out that are good in us through pain and suffering. And so I want to encourage us as we suffer, as we go through things, be patient because it's not, it does always going to be over fast. And as a community, we have to come in and allow God to bring those things out of us, like those, the life-transforming things that happen in, in pain and suffering. Love, serve, sacrifice for each other, and then as, as those people, whoever might be, go through pain and suffering, our job is to walk beside them for the long haul, because it's not necessarily going to be over quickly, and so our job as the church is to be in it for the long run, not to be like, like we're in it to win it, right? Like, we're not, my job is your pastor, your, our job together, if you have people that you know that are going through it, we don't walk in, drop off a meal, and then we're just done with them. We walk through it until it's over, man. 
we're in it for the long haul. So our job as a church is to be patient with people suffering as they suffer and to remind them that, to remind them of, of this statement, you're going to make it because God's with you and because we're with you and we ain't leaving you and you know he's not leaving you. And then finally, I'd say this, we need to be constant in prayer. This, we overlook this so often, man, but one thing that we can do for each other that is as really deeper, more effective than anything. God, like God moves in prayer, right? Move. <laughs> and so as we have community groups, if you have those, those five or six people that's in that group with you, you're, you're, those, the jobs of those groups is when they know people in their community that are going through stuff, that are facing things, to physically lay hands on them as the Bible teaches and pray for those people there. Right, like, is it? I know you guys have never done this, but you ever had somebody? Hey, man, um, my grandma's going through this. Uh, pray for her. And you're like, oh yeah, I'll pray for her. <laughs> and then you never think about it again. Y'all have never done that, right? No, me neither. I'm pretty perfect. Um, <laughs> that's not the way we're supposed to do. What we want to do is in our community groups be constant in prayer in the moment. So, like, hey, I'm going through this. Let's pray now. And then also be constant, constant in prayer for those people outside right? Like, it's just the way it's supposed to happen, man. Constant in prayer. I want to ask the band, you guys can go ahead and come on up. So what, what is it, right? Like, as, as we kind of were wrapping up this series next week, we'll, we'll kind of put a bow on it. But we finished off with a really encouraging message, right? You will face pain and suffering in your life. And if you're not going through it now, just wait a few months or days or weeks. Oh, it'll happen, right? Awesome. So glad I came to church, right? It doesn't matter who you are. You will face pain and suffering. But remember that when you face that, we don't have a God who's punishing you. We don't have a God who's angry with you. you have, we, it's the result of living in a broken world. But remember that we have a God who is a father who runs to his children to comfort them and bandage their wounds, who's seeking healing and restoration constantly that he loves you, that he's not going to leave you, he's not going to forsake you. He's walking through it with you. And he doesn't promise it won't happen, but he promises he'll be there every step of the way and that he will be sufficient. So lean on him and lean on us. Let us be the church for you. And as a church, our job is to rejoice together. Our job is to suffer together. Our job is to live life deeply together. And we have to remind ourselves that there's hope. There's always hope for those who know Jesus. We have to be persistent in walking together. We have to be patient, right? We're in it for the long haul with each other. And we have to be constant in prayer for each other. I want to ask you guys to stand with me and, and the way we just close out things here is that the, I'm going to ask our link team you guys go ahead come and if, if you need prayer man if you're going through something today um, man pain is suffering right gosh if you're going through something today I want to encourage you to know that we have guys here they, they stand, they're standing up there they're ready to pray for you if you want someone to pray for you pray with you they're here for you in that that's why they're here is to have somebody for you to pray with and then secondly, I, I just want to encourage you, like, let's, if you need someone to pray with, you go do it, man. You go pray with those guys. And secondly, let's, let's just worship God today because even in the suffering, even in the pain, he's still a good, good God. 
Just because we face things doesn't mean he's not good, but he's good because he walks through it, with us through it, and he gives us hope in spite of everything. So let's pray, and I want to encourage you, let's worship him together. And if you need prayer, man, we're here for you. Let us pray for you. God, I love you. Thank you so much for today and for all these people that are here today. Father, I pray that, Lord, that you would just help us to be um, your church when times of pain and suffering happens. I know, that, I know that we're human, that we're not perfect, God, but I pray that you'll teach us and help us to know how to love each other well and love each other deeply in times of pain and suffering. Lord, I pray that, that you would allow us, that you would make us walk deeply with you in those times, Father. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here, and I know there are people in here who are going through stuff, Lord, I just pray that you would be close. And I know you are, Lord, but I just pray that they would know you're close and they would feel you and they would know you and they would hear your voice and that they would be loved deeply by your church. And I ask all these things in your name. Amen.